Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You could turn $10 into $250. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/fan and use code FAN. That's code FAN at prizepicks.com/fan. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Coming. Hey guys, I'm on the road uh, this weekend. Right now, if you're listening to this right now, I'm at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, April 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. Uh, I am in Stand Up Live May 7th through 10th in Phoenix. I'm in. Minnesota at House of Comedy, the 15th through the 17th. Levity Live at West Nyack, New York, the 29th through the 31st. DC Improv, June 11th through the 13th. Trip Flip should be starting right around then, if I'm not mistaken. Today's guest, an absolute pleasure to talk to. I could talk to this guy for hours. I listened to him for hours every morning on Opie Radio with him and Opie from Opie and Anthony. I loved him on Opie and Anthony. And, uh... He's a best-selling author. He's got a new comedy special called Contextually Inadequate. April 24th, take a second, write it down, go set your DVRs. He's one of the best comics working today. That special is on Epics. Do what you got to do. April 24th to remind yourself about it. It's my pleasure to bring you Jim Norton. This is I'm obsessed with, uh, obsessed with a bunch of fucking shit. Um... Hey, uh, what was it? Do you want to do Dr. Drew? Yeah, of course. Friday. Sure. Here, let me, uh... That's great. Well, you know him? Yeah, yeah, they just, just emailed me. Oh, yes, absolutely. Here. Uh, Thank you. Wait, hold on. Here. I've met you. I don't know him well, but yeah. Hey, I'm sitting with Jim's manager right now. Hey, I'm sitting with Jim's manager right now. I'll share all the info. You guys talk tonight. Have fun. Oh, thank you. Uh, we're rolling. Uh, here, you want to send your info over to him? His name's Gary. He's a great guy. Drew's fun. You ever done Drew? No, I like oh, him. I've only fuck. met him once. You and him would be so amazing together. Yeah, we we uh, we spoke uh, <clears throat> at some CNN thing, and um, you know he said, hey, "Oh yeah, I always see your poster like one of the agents' office or something." But uh, we don't know each other. He's a fascinating guy, and he's really uh, very honest, like you. He's very. One of those guys that draws honesty out of people. Yeah, I like him. A lot of guys don't like him. They think he's exploitive and whatever. But I, I think, look, there are drug addicts and there are sex addicts, so why not show it and talk about it? Yeah, I think uh, I always have a weird time around him because I'm always waiting for him to fucking drop the hammer into an intervention. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> what? Uh, Sorry for clearing my throat so much. I, drank, I was at Rogan's, and I drank all these this fucking butter coffee. Did you yes. do Rogan's today? Yeah. Oh, nice. I can't wait. What did you guys talk about? So I, that, so I can know that I can listen to it and not have the conversation with you here. You can you can ask about anything you want. We talked a little bit about the Opie and Anthony. Not much. Uh, I'm obsessed. Are you? Well, you know, it's one of the things that, I, that it bothers me a tad bit. It bothers me, you know, that I like... I... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack for two seconds. Sure. I saw Amy and Kevin Hart on the MTV Movie Awards, and I did what you often do is I applauded them in my head. I was like, how fucking awesome. I didn't get jealous. Yeah. A lot of comics get jealous and go, "That's how fucking bullshit. Uh, why not me? Um, but you've always done that with like people coming on the show, and I think it's like a learned characteristic for New York comics maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, both of them have opened for me. Yeah. So I'm happy for them because I know them for so many years. And then there's the part that's, you know, obviously I see myself as a, an abject failure. So, you know. <laughs> I see myself. I consistently, I'm like, I told Ari one day, he's like, oh, what a cool gig you have. I go, who the fuck wants my job? Yeah. No one fucking wants my job. I ride roller coasters. I fucking, you know, like it's a fun job, but, you know, but like I have my stand-up lax and, you know, so I always think stand-ups want you know, sitcom or this movie yeah. or. But yeah, so absolutely, I feel very much like a uh, a zilch. So, seeing, I'm not jealous because Amy is Amy and Kevin is Kevin. Neither one of them are competing with Jim Norton. But it's just a, it, when you see people doing so well, sometimes it's a reflection that you're average, and that's that's what I look at. Like ah, that's just more proof that I'm shit and I'm being rejected. But that's just that negative stuff that all comedians have. I saw Amy on Ellen, uh, like probably I don't know, it was like a clip, 
And I, in my head, I was like, I know I've known Amy. For, I've known Amy for a very long time, probably as long as you've known her. And uh, she used to stay at our house when we'd leave for vacations, and she'd come out and audition and watch our dogs and cats. Oh wow! And so uh, my sisters, no, like she used to go hang out with my sisters. And so, uh, in a weird way, I always thought of her as a little sister. But man, she um, was on Ellen, and I kind of was like, well, maybe I'll watch a little bit. She fucking destroyed, yeah. and it made me je- for the first time. I was jealous, and I was like, I was like, fuck, I need to write. Here she is just talking about one little sitting at a Lakers game, and she's running through bits. I'm like, I'm not getting on stage enough. I'm not doing enough work. I'm just fucking phoning it in. I go to the first punchline that works, yeah. and then I stick a pen in it. And I go, there we go. We wrote the joke. Yeah, she's very funny on those shows. I didn't see it. I didn't watch the appearance. But uh, Amy's great in those moments, man. She's really good. But my point was, my point I was going to say was, you know, I watch like, I was telling you coming in, I listen to Ron Fez. I listen to... OJ in the morning. I listen to. It's Opie in the morning. I'm just on the show. I always I tell love the name OJ in the morning. Hold on, John. The thing is loud. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He's, are you just going through my phone? No, I, I, I <laughs> you could send it, but just turn the click off. <laughs> all right. Apologies. So, uh, so uh, but I listen to, like I listen to all. I listen to Rogan. I listen. To, I listen to your episode with Rogan. And so I always feel weird uh, when. Like even like you or Burr or or Bobby or guys that I started when I started, you guys were definitely like a class or two above me. But I always feel weird like fanboying with you guys because I like the shit you do. Like I just listened to you guys with Louis and Voss and the astronaut today. Oh, he was good, right? And, and it was like Voss is so goddamn. Fun. Can I ask you a deep question? And I just start fucking laughing hysterically. Yeah. And and it's and it's like I don't know what. It's the same thing I told you about this last time. But same thing with Tough Crowd. I fucking. It was like my favorite show ever, but the Opie and Anthony stuff was like the the breakup. Yeah, because I knew that was going on. You could see it. Um, there were certain things that, again, all those years of being together, man, you just fucking you know, there's things about you that drive each other nuts, and I could see it coming because I know them both very well, and I could see that they were both frustrated. And I wasn't going and reporting. Oh boy, I think Anthony's getting sick of this shit to Opie, and I wasn't going. Nor was I egging it on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I, it's very hard to not, when you're in the middle of something, someone said I was like the kid in Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. When you're like that, it's very hard when you know just to step back and allow it to happen because it's not my place. You know, I'm not a fucking, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not their mother. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not that codependent where I got to fix them. Yeah. You know, as they said in The Godfather, once every 10 years or so, you got to get the bad blood out. These things got to happen. Yeah. That's basically what it was. But I, I think that there's still a shot at them getting back together eventually. They need time apart. They got to talk a little bit. Whatever the fuck they got to do. But I, why not? I mean, worse things have happened. Weirder things have happened. They just argued. Oh, yeah. That's all. It was it was fascinating to listen to because I didn't listen to Anthony first. I listened to Opie first. And then I listened to Anthony. It was, and that was not the way to do it. I think I should have listened to Anthony first. Yeah. I listened to Anthony first. I got a text from someone like, are you listening to this? And I turned it on. He was like a few minutes into it. And I was like, oh, boy. Um, and then I went back and heard all of it. And I saw Opie the next morning. And, uh, Did you tell, who told Opie? Oh, he just knew. He knew. Okay. I didn't even know if he listened to it or if he just got like bullet points. What did you do last night? <laughs> Yeah, well, I told him. He, I'm like, did you hear it? He goes, no. I'm like, I heard. I listened to it late. I caught like the last 25 minutes or whatever, and I listened to the rest of it later that night. And um, I was like, ah, all right. And then uh, I saw Opie the next day. You know, and he spoke about it, of course. And, uh, and he got upset. But he got upset remembering the good times they had. He didn't. It wasn't like he said, oh, my God, Anthony was mean to me. Yeah. He was like, you know, he went through the whole thing and he expressed his anger about it or whatever he felt. And then when he was remembering the time, like when they first met, like going back to the earlier part of their friendship, which, you know, it wasn't like he, you know, Anthony said stuff and Opie just fell apart. It was one of those things where, you know, but it's so funny. Somebody pointed out every time I do an L.A. promotion trip, I'm fucking talking about those two jackasses that I've known for all the years. One year, it was fucking Opie and the cake stomp. Then it's Anthony and the tweets. Now it's Opie and Anthony fighting. I literally am. I maybe I am a codependent fucking slob. No, I'm always explaining my parents. Well, you know they drink, but they're really good to me. <laughs> well, you know it's it, it's so funny. It brought up because because uh, like I got the text last night that you're being in town, and I was fucking excited. And then I, I and they were you know listening to the show. It brought up so many questions. Their breakup that I've had about you and and your path in comedy. Because I was like I was like you really are. 
the quintessential third mic. Thank you. You do not you you always seem to know who the guest is. You've done your research on the guest. You seem to have poignant questions. You don't step on anybody and you know and when you do talk it's funny. You're like the funniest guy in the writers room. Thank you. And and um and then I saw you have to be co-host. It was really interesting and I was wondering like what if that if there was an uncomfortableness when it's just you and Opie. Well, you know, the the this, the discomfort comes in like I know Opie a long time. And- yeah, but I got to be honest with you. And I don't and I don't this I don't know everything. But like the first time I came in, Opie liked me. The second came I time I came in, Anthony liked me. But every time I always felt like you played to Anthony. So like I always ended up playing to Anthony cuz I saw you play to him. Comedically, Anthony and I sync very well. Um, we're both very similar. It, it's very weird. Like Anthony and I, comedically, I probably sync comedically better with him uh, than anybody in the world. And Opie and him had better chemistry than me and Opie do. But that's that's not a, a, a shame filled thing. Yeah, we were put in this situation. Like it wasn't like Opie and I said, "Let's get rid of that." No, right? We're better. And nothing. You know, it's like me and Opie look at each other across the console sometimes, and we literally look like two fucking guys. Who are like, okay, this great boat we were on is sinking, and we're in a life raft, and now what do we do? Like, yeah. we, he and I are very much, like, equaled out a bit in the sense that we're both in the same situation now. Like, what do we do? Um, so what was your question about, what's it like working with just Opie? It's yeah. tougher because you know, I but, miss- But more importantly, what's it like being- Oh, movie Co-host. Well, co-host. I, I looked at myself, oh, when Opie and I were going to change the name of the channel- uh, Opie didn't know what to call it. It was a process he was going through. And I said, look, man, I don't want it to be Opie and Jimmy. That's why I don't promote it. People always think that I'm motherfucking Opie by not putting it on my bio. It's not about that. Yeah. It's a very weird thing because I never want to be disrespectful to Ant. So I'm like, let it be the Opie show. I'm okay with that. I'm okay being a part of your show. Yeah. But I feel like I'm jumping into my buddy's grave if I say Opie and Jimmy. Because, I mean, that's what they call it just because we're the guys in the room. Yeah. But I didn't want to jump in Ant's grave, and I really mean this. If it's just Opie, and then Anthony comes back, then it's Opie and Anthony again. Yeah. But I don't want it to be Opie and Jim Norton, and then all of a sudden, like, they're going to hire Ant back, and then they got to take it and make it. But let it just be Opie and Ant. That's what the show is. Yeah. It's not like, oh, Ant's gone. Now well, it's, it's Opie it's, and Jim. I don't want that. It's when you're on Anthony. It's not... Oh, it's not J- Anthony and it's Jim. It's the Anthony Cumia show. Anthony Cumia show, and it, but it's still got you guys. You know, it's and I say that, and I hope that didn't sound disrespectful to Opie at all. Not but at because, all. Because because the show has taken a turn, such a such a a, a a refreshing turn, and maybe it was the backstage fighting that was that was clogging up things. Yeah. Maybe, but like mucking up the works, as we say. I but I like I love. Like Vic Henley's on the show the other day. It's great. I'm fucking. I, I just didn't. Th- I didn't feel like I'd ever see. I could be totally wrong. I didn't feel like Vic Henley would ever get play before, but now I see him on. And like Florentine's on every fucking day. I mean, when they when you guys were talking about and I like when I say I'm a fan of the show, I fucking listen to it every day. I get in the car. I'm being dead serious. Thank you. I, but um, then when Florentine and you guys had dead air talking about Florentine's breakup, I'm fucking like. I'm pulled over. I'm like, I can't merge on the 101. What the right. fuck am I doing right now? And I'm and I'm sitting. I'm, and by the way, just so you know, I'm texting with fucking Sam Primetime Roberts the entire fucking time, going, "What was the name they dumped out of? Who was it? Oh, is it yeah. is it fucking is it an athlete? No, no, no. It was just, he's it was, a nobody. Yeah, he's His a nobody. Name, he's not famous at all. Yeah. And I was like, and then I tried to text Florentine because I was like, dude, I feel so I feel horrible for you. This shit, ha-, you know, or whatever. And I was like, ah, that's not my place. I don't, you know, like... Yeah, he could. He's, he's talking about it publicly. We wound up leaking on TMZ. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. The di- the problem, the, the thing was going on is that there was so much shit between those guys that sometimes the tension you'd hear, Anthony and Opie are both more relaxed now. Yeah. Like, and I think, but I don't think it's because they didn't work well together. Obviously, they worked amazingly well together. They really did. But it's like any marriage that is strained, you hear it. And now Opie, I think, kind of feels like a little freer. And I think Anthony feels a little freer too because when I've done his show, I, I don't feel any tension from him. So the yeah. fucking key is for them both to figure out is there a possibility of working together? Because the way I feel right now in the studio or the way I feel when I'm with Anthony, I want it to feel like that when all three of us are together because it should feel that way. Because, look, we can all survive, but I mean, I, I think that those guys working together, it, there's something about it. 
And I'm not just giving the polite, politically correct answer. I've, I sat there and watched, you know what I mean? The, the thing that the listeners, some of you guys know what you're talking about and some of you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But I get to watch their faces and I talk to both of them privately. And I, you know, it's like when you see those guys gelling together and working together, yeah. that's the room I want to be in. Yeah. I like working with Opie. I genuinely do. And people thought that when I gave an answer, there was one question people I know, Opie I know, said to I know, Opie. I know, I know what you're going to say right now. Opie said to me, why did you stay? And your answer was? My answer was basically I talked about the technical aspects of it because Anthony was living in Long Island. It was a hard decision. And it was a hard decision out of loyalty to both of these guys. And I was like fucking angry at Sirius. How do I stay with this company that has fucked a guy who I love? Um, and by staying with Opie, my disrespecting aunt and going, good, you're out on your own. Uh, the drive to Long Island was a lot. I love the routine of the morning. There's a certain, it keeps me sane. And people thought that by doing that, by default, I was saying, fuck you to Opie. But I honestly wasn't. Yeah. It, it was more like, and I said this to Opie, I thought that he made a mistake by not going on Ant's show. Um, because again, Ant was the outed guy. And, and you know, Ant was the, the man out. We have to look at this differently. We haven't all been fired. It's not yeah. like we're all in the same boat. We're in a different boat than Ant. Yeah. So it's also you know, and ostracized he, publicly. Yeah. He, Ant, Ant wasn't just fired. It was. It was. He was, he was clubbed publicly. He, he was. Yes. He went through a very very tough time. So we have to look at that differently. Um, so my answer was more of a technical answer, and I wish I had thought of that in that moment. But it wasn't meant to be a slight of Opie. And people think when I say that that I'm afraid of. I have zero fear of getting fired right now. Yeah. I like my job. Um, I was scared when Ant got fired. I went took me right back to 2002. I'm like, oh my God, we're fired. But it's almost like at a point right now, I've been hearing so much shit from the fans. And this, I, I have like, it's like the company will do what they're going to do. But I do enjoy working with Opie. And it's like, you know, it's good. people who hate him think, how could you enjoy work? I do. And, uh, you know, without him, I wouldn't be in that gig. But I also love working with Ant. I know it sounds like I'm being a little fucking fruit in the middle no. who can't, who's riding the fence post. But what do you want to do? Lie just to sound edgy to a bunch of jerk offs on a fucking Twitter? That's the truth. It's they're very different men. I, the, you know, I said the last time I was in, I felt like Anthony liked me more, and Opie felt like I felt like he was saying right. But the first time I was in, Opie actually pulled me aside and talked to me for fucking like seven minutes after the show, and was like, "Hey, you're really funny, man. You want anytime you want to come back." Yeah. And he's he's a very different. They're very different men, and and it was. I mean, I I'll always go back to, and I, and I feel like this is where both you, Anthony, and Opie all are at exactly right now. Is right when I got XM and you guys just got on. That was that was a, that was different radio than I've ever heard. Yeah, including was... and Stern just did no shitting on Stern, but Stern did Stern show on XM sure. and just cursed. You guys did very different radio. It was long form. It is now what is podcasting. Yeah, it was. And uh, and it's funny, Joe said that he only started this show because Anthony started it live at the compound. And Joe went, that made me want to do a thing. And like, hey, you can do it. Um, the only yeah, reason I have this show is because it's Joe's show. It was, yeah, so that, and that came from Anthony doing live at the compound, building a studio in his house. So I feel like the earlier days, stuff, but it's funny, you know, there's always like you were great then, but like, um, and I'm not saying you're saying that, but I mean, no. like we first came on satellite, people were like, this show sucks. The glory <laughs> days were NEW, but when they were on NEW, well, the glory days were before Jim Norton. I love when people in Philly go, I was a fan before Jimmy ever got there. No, you weren't, you dumb lying cocksucker, because they weren't syndicated <laughs> before I got there. So if you lived in Philly, you didn't hear the show until I was on it. So anyone from Cleveland or Sacramento that writes and goes, the show just was better with you, I used to listen. No, you didn't, motherfucker, <laughs> unless you lived in New York. Yeah. But if you're from one of these syndicated markets, you only heard it when I was on there. So take your selective memory and fucking blow your brains out. I'll tell you, Jay Moore turned me <laughs> on to you guys, hardcore, and I turned Jay on to Ron and Fez. Um, Jay and I don't really speak anymore, but yeah. but uh, but if if he ever says that that's not true, that's bullshit. I definitely turned him on to Ron because I grew up in Tampa, sure. and I loved Ron Bennington. And I loved Ron. Ron and Ron was like my favorite fucking show. And fucking, I think, I really do think Ron Bennington is the most underrated uh, interviewer ever. And you know, it's funny. I don't listen to Ron and Fez. Um, I don't listen to anything. I don't listen to Opie Nathan. I don't listen to podcasts. Anything. No. Um, Music or whatever. But I have no interest. I don't watch things I'm on. Somebody, I just got a text from a girl who's a friend of mine. And she goes, oh, you were watching that Louis episode that you were in. I'm like, which one was, I don't even know which one you mean. Yeah. And she goes, when this happened. I'm like, oh, I have no idea what the story was. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because I'm like some weird artist. I just don't like myself. So it's like, it's like you know, I'll, I was talking to Rogan before, but listening to like myself in characters, Uncle Paul, Chip, or Craig Schenkel, I'll listen to that shit. But just listening to Jim talk is fucking, 
Fuck me. No, uh, I I noticed. I had this conversation. I had a, uh, I was gonna say something to you, but it doesn't make sense now. But uh, I I uh, had this conversation in a meeting the other day, and we were talking about sitcom development. And I was saying that uh, the dialogue between a fan and a comic has changed so drastically sure. in the last six years that it that that's why like Mulaney is one of the Mulaney John Mulaney is one of the funniest fucking guys alive. Yeah, and if his show isn't gonna be a fucking beloved by america then i don't know canceled i'm i don't know but i'm pretty sure uh if if that then this four camera sitcom shouldn't work well i they also have to get something that fits you know when when something is like with sitcoms are very weird because if it feels like that had an older feel to it and melanie's kind of an older school vibe he's like an old soul performer yeah but um sometimes it's harder for old for shows that have a, a, a feel of a four camera sitcom or whatever it is it's harder for them to survive if they feel like it because of what's going on now. You know, does that make any sense? Like no. a four-camera sitcom has to be something totally different for it to work. Well, because it, I think that – well, there's so much has changed. Like I, John Mulaney, I watch his show. I think John's brilliant. Yeah. I really do think he's, he's brilliant. He's a great comic, man. And I, and I watch his show and I kind of want to go, hey, why aren't you talking about when you're addicted to cocaine and obsessed with Steely Dan? Like where is that voice? Like where are these like little – like and and I was wondering if you were the first generation to notice it because O and A was like was the first I'll say the first long form art exhibit comedy art exhibit I'm like definitely was definitely the first podcast. Well, yeah, and you know, Opie has told me that I like, like as far as like noticing this stuff, and and I don't, I guess I just did it because we did it to each other at the comedy cellar. But he said that what I brought to the show was that. I, I was like calling out bad jokes and bombs as opposed to uncomfortably oh, laughing. The best things when you guys go, no, 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 let it be silent. Let it be said, yes. Let it be silent. He deserves that. Like, oh, those are the fuck. I mean, it changed. It changed. It changed uh, fucking everything. I mean, even, st- I don't know if you noticed it, but Voss, when he says a joke that sucks, he does a hiccup after it. He goes, yeah, man, and you know what I mean. I mean, uh, like he does like a, a, like a skip, like a <laughs> stutter step. I fucking love it. But it's because of being around you. It's an offense mechanism, a flinch for waiting for Keith Robinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that whole group that would do that. We just call each other out. And it kept you very sharp. It kept you on your toes, getting fucking clubbed by these cocksuckers. Like Colin is so brutal. Um, but I love that internal fighting. Like... I did an episode of Colin's Cop Show recently. Oh, fu- by the way, Colin's Cop Show is fucking brilliant. It's awesome. It's, it's brilliant. I literally, and it's because it's Col- it's Colin. Like just the, it's hey, like happy birthday, ah, this yeah. guy. Like just the little nuances. It's it's the same thing as what made Ricky Gervais likable. Yeah, it's that subtlety of humor, not the like set up punch and what he did to me in that making me wear the rat outfit and then i watched his like monologue did you see my episode or it's no? yours there's one where i have to play a guy who's uh who's uh being questioned by him and keith about things and it turns out that i'm i'm wearing this really weird gray sweater with like like hairy almost and i'm saying things like uh like you know i, I was a witness to something and i scurried over to the window and then i kind of call it out because he's got me using all this rat and rodent terminology, and he's basically implying that I look like a rodent. And it's all this inside stuff that Colin has been saying for years, and that just is what makes it so great. Yeah. People didn't understand that about Tough Crowd. Like, I love the fact that we were friends and just calling each other out, and that was fucking hilarious to me. Guys just being mean to each other. Who wants to see people be nice? Yeah. Oh, fuck you. Nice. It, it, nice is okay, but it doesn't make me laugh. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, there's, it, I, I mean, I don't know if it's boys, uh, I don't know if that girls feel that way, but like I went, I went to an all boys Catholic high school, and I mean, you sat down and you were ready to get hazed for the second you sat down, and you better have a comeback or have a better story than whatever they're telling about you, or you're dead. And the same thing, I was in a fraternity. I know you weren't, but fraternity life was very much like that. Well, I think they said, what do they say? Women use women use a humor to like bring you closer and uplift you, and men more use humor to dominate. Uh, it can be a very powerful or dominating thing too. Um, like like the, our use of humor can be a little different. Yeah, and it, hey, you're right because girls tell, you know, nicer. Their their motives are a little cleaner. Well, I mean, when Colin would when you guys would talk about the backstories of Tough Crowd on O and A, and it would be you, Patrice, Colin. I want to say, Keith, I remember just here. I remember being on a Voss. road trip one night, Voss, and hearing a story about Patrice and Colin getting in a fight. Oh yeah, and Patrice's mom had to come. Sure, and. 
I was like, oh, this is like next level. Like I remember hearing that and being like, I just caught, I just turned it on and they're telling the middle of the story and I'm like, I'll never fucking find this. I'll never find the rest of this goddamn story. And I was just fucking just driving, going, God damn it. And and but like I think that's like it it was I remember seeing dudes come in when I worked at the Boston and uh, I talked about you today. I have the poster of the Boston Comedy Club behind you of that flyer I used to have to hand oh, out. Oh right. Lewis Schaefer. I loved Lewis. Yeah. He's Me, Bertha, Yarbert, Jordan, Maceo, of course, Sue Costello. Who else? Oh, Talent. Talent. Jay. Dane. Dane, Jeff, Chappelle, DC, and fucking, uh, oh, and Reggie. I haven't seen Reggie McFadden in a while. I saw Reggie McFadden do a showcase one time for Barry Katz. Everybody needs to keep it clean. And I'm, by the way, my memory is fucking suspect always from sure. partying. But Reggie McFadden just walks up his first joke. Eh, this is why you never eat stripper pussy. <laughs> he was a funny dude. Yeah. How are many? Th- are those candies good? Yeah, they're good. They're my, little, my girls put them out. You want some? Can I have one? Yeah, of course. I'm hungry. Yeah. Wow. yeah. No, no, no! Just grab the. Uh, some might have stuff in them. Just, yeah, just take those. Those are for the girls. Yeah, those are fine. Those are fine. Those are the brand new. Hey, let me tell you something. We got next level candy here. Those are the new Skittles. Yeah, we we get the brand new Skittles, and we got dessert Skittles in there if you're into them. I I only do one mouthful. I won't do this in your podcast. I apologize. No, I, I don't M&Ms. give a shit, dude. I, dude, I've been listening to you guys eat breakfast for fucking <laughs> five years, seven, eight years, ten years, I guess. So, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, who are the guys that you started with that that who was the guys that you started with that stayed with it and not like Voss and Florentine, but like random guy. Like I started with Dimitri Martin. We started on the same night. How is Dimitri? I haven't talked to him in forever. I haven't talked to Dimitri, and he he excelled so quickly. You know, I it was. I, when I started, it was um, there were there were two scenes. There were the Boston that was like you, Bobby, Pete, Corielli, um, Jordan, uh, and then Chappelle, Tony Woods, uh, Keith, Patrice. I just saw Tony two nights ago at the cellar uh, last night. He calls me every now and then. We're doing a <clears throat> we're doing a, a podcast together. To we've had it's, uh, I don't want to get Tony it. Woods is the funniest guy alive, hands down, no questions asked. No one can be funnier for longer about any subject than Tony. Yeah. And that cadence and that absolute domination of a stage. Tony Woods, I think, is the most underrated stand-up because a lot of people listening might not know his name. He's um, He was Chappelle's mentor. Yes, he sounds like Chappelle, but Chappelle really sounds like him. And that yeah. just probably comes from they're both D.C. kind of half-Southern guys. Um, I don't think Chappelle's stealing it. I just think that yeah. that's, you know, he, he was influenced by him. Tony Woods is fucking hilarious about everything. Yep. And just, man, that's slow. And the crowd, if I try to talk that slow, they order drinks. They want fucking nachos. I lose them immediately. If I'm not a fucking mushmouth, rambling idiot, I lose them. Tony Woods is just, what a slow, confident yeah. performer. He's awesome. Uh, he, uh, I got to tell this, because I, and I never, t- I never talk about this shit. I don't like to, but, uh. So Tony, when I first started working, Tony was the first guy I met, and and like he was the nicest guy to me, and I Jason I met him through Jason Steinberg, and um, and then Tony and I would party every night, every night for the for every year, every night I ever lived in New York, I party with Tony Woods every night. Donnell, Tony, Greer, anyone, that, all, it was all black comics, so all you guys were sober, so I, like you, Bobby, no, every all you guys did was smoke, and I didn't smoke, and so we go and party every night. So um. I don't see Tony for fucking. I don't see Tony for a while. I get on the move to LA, get on the road. I'm at the DC Improv. Tony, I'm sure you know the Tracy Morgan story. Let's not get into it, but I'll tell you if you don't. I party with Tracy Morgan one night. I had a crazy. A oh, with Jay, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I don't like getting into it. I don't like. Yeah, yeah, it just causes drama. But um, but Tony, Tony Woods was there that night. So me and Tony were. It was me and Tony hanging out. So Tony. I'm on stage in DC, and in the back, I hear that Tony Woods voice. Why don't you tell that Tracy Morgan story, Bert Kreischer? Come on, go, go, Bert. <laughs> so I literally look back, and my wife's there, and I go, is that Tony Woods? 
He's like, yeah, why don't you tell my story? By the way, Tony tells it fucking a million times better than I'd ever fucking tell yeah, he's it. hilarious. Because Tony's perspective is jaded because he sees it from a different... He sees me as much more culpable, but it is... Uh, it is fucking fantastic. So he came up on stage and we told dueling stories. So I tell my perspective and he told his perspective. And it was fu- it was the only time I've really ever told it on stage. And it was fucking magical. And every time, and now I get phone calls from him all the time. Like every time in the middle of the night, I'll get a phone call. Hey man, I'm in Reno. Hey, what's the name of that chick that we hung out with? <laughs> like just, yeah. Like it was, that's not, not business shit. Like he's the fuck. I love Tony. Are you gonna have him on? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna be in DC and because uh, he's in DC, he's based out of DC now. So when I'm next in DC, I'm gonna try to do a, a long podcast with him. I'm sorry, I'm I'm don't covering the mic. Am I inter- I hope you can't hear me chewing. I'm covering the mic. No, don't, dude. Do not worry about chewing in the mic. I really don't give a fuck. I was gonna drink, but then I, I haven't drank in a while, so I was like, yeah, fuck it. How long? Well, I've, I've, I've I almost broke my back. So uh, I was how'd on, you do that? Fell off a waterfall. And so, uh, I, so I was on Vicodin and Valium for a while, and I don't mix pills and alcohol. Yeah. So uh, that was like 16 days. And then uh, off those, I drank, I drank this weekend in Toronto. Uh, but then I have then... Think you're an alcoholic? Uh, no. I don't, I don't get like shakes. I don't need to drink. I don't... Uh, like I'm just like the re- average regular person. Like if everyone's drinking, I definitely want to drink. Sure. Uh, I, I'll tell you my problem is uh, flying on planes. I can't not drink on planes. Really? Yeah. And that's, I can't imagine drinking on a plane. I'd get so sick. I'd fucking vomit. I'd, that is where... That is where... Uh, I'm, I'm more obsessive compulsive. So like when I don't drink, it becomes a thing in my head. Mm. And I, go, I feel fucking great. And then I, it's really hard to get me to drink again. What do you drink on a plane? Uh... Now this is going to sound like an alcoholic. Fifty years ago, I would have said, "What's your poison?" <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I drink beers on the plane, but I will always carry a flask, like a like a, a a thermos, and like four Jack Daniel bottles in my bag, because I don't like I don't like looking like I'm drinking too much. But I also don't like being dictated how much I can drink. Right? Why would you think that makes you look like an alcoholic? <laughs> so, well, I don't know. It just sounds- yeah, no, no. All normal people sneak liquor onto a plane in thermos in a fucking in a coffee thermos. Yeah. No, like, but like on a flight to New York, I'll have like three beers, and then in, in everyone else's brain, they're like, "Well, that's been three beers. You should be pretty wasted." And I'm right. like, "Not even fucking close." And we still have four hours left in this flight. Yeah, we still haven't even backed out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the gate but yeah i don't think i think i i think the road i think i deal with depression through alcohol but i don't think i think if i lived in if if i worked on a morning show i wouldn't drink at all yeah i don't know how guys do it i don't know how anthony functioned for so long because he would well i'd be up at at one o'clock in the morning i'd see tweets going out i'd be like oh boy i know ant's fucking power (laughs) drinking he'd make it in the next day usually uh sometimes a little tired a little worse for wear but i was like how the fuck do you function doing that man it's that mickey mantle syndrome yeah like I have it too. Like I, I definitely will go when we shoot for Travel Channel for Trip Flip. I will definitely go out and have drinks at night. But I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I turn it off earlier than I than I think, or maybe I just got that resilience where I get up and I'm like, fuck it, we got to work. Let's go. Yeah, what time can you get up? I can get up. Uh, fucking, I've gotten up at four in the morning. Yeah, I hate that shit. I, I get up at four in the morning. Like if I have a fight, I'll, and if I, if all people over, we're drinking wine. And I got a fight the next morning. I get up right at there, get in the shower, take a full shower, get ready, and I'm on the fucking... Now I may have a beer on the ride to the airport, but uh, that's just to right the boat. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, like, A lot of people have beers on the way to the airport. <laughs> Not at all a sign of alcoholism. <laughs> I think, I think like, I had a long talk with Stan Hope about it, and Stan Hope and I were like, it was like the most honest I think I've ever been with anybody, and I was like, do you ever get scared when you stop drinking? And he's like, all the time. That's why I have like a glass of wine so I don't have a stroke. I go, me too. <laughs> <laughs> because you do get those long fucking, like, coming back from Vietnam was a 33-hour flight, and uh, and I drank the vast majority of that 33 hours. Because I don't like flying. I get anxiety. And Why then, are you in Vietnam? Just doing gigs? Yeah, no, no, uh, doing tri- my Travel Channel show. Oh. And so, um, and so I drank in the, to Japan, and then we spat an overnight hotel, and then we got a hotel in the airport, and I have a fuck, couple bottles of wine there with the crew, and then we get on another plane, and I'm totally, f- like, if you talk to me, lucid as fuck. You'd never guess I was drunk. I don't, I'm not that kind of guy. I, I'll pass out before I, I act drunk. Right. But, um, 
but yeah, but like, yeah. So you could drink a bottle of wine and then be just normal. Oh, I, if I drank a bottle of wine, you'd have no clue other than the fucking red teeth. You're painting a great picture of alcoholism. <laughs> Shut up. No non-alcoholic can drink a bottle of wine and not have it show. Are you serious? Have you know, I, I, Do you know one non-alcoholic that Don't drinks- just jump in because you're Jim's manager. No, no, he agree. won't. Like, have, 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 do you drink at all? Yeah. Yeah, you come. But I, yeah. I, what'd you say? I said, come. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, well, could you drink it? Would you have a bottle of wine? No, I'd be hammered. I'd be... Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I mean, you know. No. No, no one drinks beer on the way to the airport. <laughs> I've never done. Uh, Steve Byrne and I were driving. We're, we're doing a gig in, uh, like, Seattle or something. <laughs> and I had stayed out all night the night before. And I get in the car with a six-pack of Heinekens. And Steve goes, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, I was like, is you don't do this on the road? And he was like, no, I don't do this on the road. And let me tell you something. Cut to like fucking four months later on the Jameson tour, getting up in the morning. Steve's like, I, could, I wouldn't mind using a beer to fucking write this boat. How do you fucking not puke all the time? I don't, I, but I don't, I don't drink the way like maybe you drank. Like I don't drink to get fucking hammered. No, but I mean the motion sickness of the car, the plane, that vomit. Uh, oh, no, I don't get motion sick at all. I don't get like one of the things that like if I'm on a boat and I start getting motion sick, if I have a beer, it goes away. So you can go on a roller coaster and I get sick. No. Yeah. Oh, you go. You can't go on roller coasters. No. When I was in, oh sorry, y'all. When I was in, when I was in, uh, <laughs> when I, I was in Vegas with my ex girlfriend, and we went to New York, New York, and there was a roller coaster simulator. It was so humiliating. Where she set the course for us, where you get inside the uh, simulator and they strap you in. Oh yeah! And, and it went upside down, and you have to. I hit the emergency button eight seconds in, <laughs> and they thought it, they thought it was a mistake. They opened the thing like, "Did you hit that?" I'm like, "Nah, man, my arm is starting to hurt." She's like, "I was so fucking embarrassed that you got out." And a little, I'm not kidding. Less than ten seconds is all I could take. I was really up. yeah. They what just kind of picked fruit up is that oranges. Yeah, oranges. Cool. They yeah, just picked up my old show, uh, Birth Conquer, where I rode roller coasters and did like thrill events. They Travel Channel, it's like you said, never say never with Opie and Anthony. Right. And they canceled it like four years ago. And then they just called up and they're like, hey, you want to do more episodes of it? And I was like, oh, well, I don't give a fuck. I'd love, it was a fun show to do because you're just hanging out with people that are passionate. But like, I just, uh, I don't, I mean, I get motion sick, but I just don't. Have you jumped out of a plane? Yeah. It's fun? Uh-huh. Scary? Uh,. Uh yeah yeah it's it's a fascinating experience you've never done it no it's um I'll take you to do it if you want to do it no I'll take you to do it it's you know what it's and I, can I tell you this, and this is where I'm stuck a little bit comedically or artistically is I don't know uh, properly how to talk about these events on stage I'm having a hard time translating my feelings into comedy because some of them are just surreal like I have a great bit about jumping out of the plane. But, like, the truth about it is there's a very interesting moment that happens when uh, when you're falling where you realize the dice have been cast in your life. Like, I'm either going to die, and that's going to happen right now, or I'm going to live, and you have no control over it. And if, as someone who obviously has a fear of flying and a little bit of a control freak, it's a fascinating feeling. What did you say had been cast? The die. Dice. Uh, okay, I wasn't sure if you said dice. I wasn't sure. I don't know. What did I say? Did a die? Isn't that the plural of dice? No. Die is one cast. The die has been cast. I think you said the dice has been cast. I'm, I don't know what I said. Why? Which one's right? Die. The die? Yeah. I was just curious. I was, yeah. I was just listening. I'm like, did he say that? <laughs> would, you, would you jump out of a plane? No. No? No. Under no circumstances. Really? It's parked at the gate. <laughs> yeah, but would I fucking jump out of a moving one? I mean, I don't know. But it, it, that feeling of falling, I mean, I imagine it's kind of fun, but it's also horrifying. It is horrifying, but it's life-affirming. You it realize is. in that moment there's nothing you can do to change it whether you live or die. It's a, it's a very surreal feeling to be going. Rachel, I did it with Rachel Ray, and she said to me, she goes, it's, it's interesting, and I want to talk to you afterwards. But when afterwards, tell me if you don't feel like you have a secret that no one knows. And it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. You feel like you have a secret and that no oh, one knows. I felt like that my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I got 10,000 no one knows. But yeah, it's, it's, you, you are in this moment. And when that shoot opens, it is, uh, it is everything in life that just buttoned into one instant. And it is overwhelming. And, and getting on the ground is fucking awesome. I've done, I've done everything there is to do f- thrill-wise. There's nothing right. that is out there that I haven't done. I've done the world's 
tallest controlled descent. I've done the world's tallest indoor rope swing, the world's tallest outdoor rope swing. I've done. You ever been fucked in the ass by a tranny with no condom? <laughs> no. Oh, some risk taker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me what tell you gambling? something. You're, you're not playing. You're playing Yahtzee. You're not gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Yahtzee <laughs> Bailey J gets me every fucking time oh, Bailey's a Bailey J gets me every time Because I click on her picture Not realizing it's her I know. And I see her dick And I'm like son of a bitch yeah, I know Good 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 Such good. a clean dick Yeah It literally is a clean Crisp Like penis Good description Yeah it's, Yeah but uh, I, I was There was a, vi- a viral video That's going around Of this girl jogging In a uh, In a white Top And just like just jogging, and I was like, "Oh, Bailey, it's got to do that." Yeah. But then, like, cut. You see her jogging, and like the no bra on this white tank top, and then all of a sudden, you see her dick floating sure. around. We had a great video. So we, so we, like, when you talk about the when you talk about the tranny stuff, how 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 close do you skate the line of joke and truth? Well, I undertell the truth. I really? tell, oh yeah, I tell the truth, but not nearly as much as has actually happened. Really? Of course. <laughs> you like we live in an alley. I have an alley right behind me. Oh, that's okay. Let's hope a motorcycle. I know motorcycles. I've, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? Uh, no, I rode a moped, and little dorky Jimmy Norton, the moped mirror hit a parked car, and I flipped. It was my friend's brand new moped. I said, "Be careful with this." I'm like, "I know what I'm doing." That destroyed any self-confidence. I fell right off his moped and fucking banged it up, and he had to push it home. It smelled like motor oil. Oh, it's humiliating. Just a loser. What, is, what, are, what are some, what's something that you don't, what's something that you don't do that you'd like to get into? Have normal, loving sex. <laughs> That'll be nice. Um, I don't know. I, I, just, I told Joe, too, I'm trying to cut a lot of the sexual malarkey just to live a little better and a little yeah. more. So I don't know what I like to do. I don't know. People ask me my hobbies. I don't know. I got to figure that out. I want to read more. I don't read as much. I want to travel just for leisure more. Um, a little bit here and there. If you could do a show for Travel Channel, what would you do? I, I always say that because I know they, they listen to the podcast. And What would I do for Travel Channel? Send me to brothels all over the world and I'll give you detailed reports on how good they were. That's my idea. No one will finance it. We flew in first class into... I don't know. I want, I'd love to do something with comedy clubs, going from comedy clubs all over the world um, and doing something, a, a random set in comedy clubs. I didn't know. I had an idea and I couldn't remember what it was, but it wasn't like fix up the club. It was just some weird thing with interviewing comics in other pl- parts of the world. Yeah. Are yeah. you a fan of comedy? I don't watch it ever, but I mean, um, I like it. Who's, sure. the, who's the last person you saw that like really just made you fucking laugh? Um, I can't remember. I mean, I mean, I know all the funny ones I've seen in the comedy show. I watched Tony yeah. the other night. He made me laugh. Uh, you know, I'll see Amy or I'll see fucking all, you know, Colin, all the guys I know. But I can't remember who's the last person I saw that was new. I saw a guy named Mark Norman. You know Mark, right? Mm-hmm. He op- opens for Amy Schumer a lot. I don't know him well, but I watched him for like a minute the other night. I'm like, oh, this guy's good. Like, I, yeah. I have never watched him. He had like a real good comedian voice and great delivery, and I thought he was funny. It's interesting because I feel like the transition between what is a good comic that I see on a club in the cities, L.A. or New York, and then these days what is what is a headlining set are totally different. I don't feel like anyone's doing, even yourself, I don't feel like you're, I mean, I, I, I can't remember where I saw you. I want to say maybe I saw you in Tampa. I was in town and I saw you in Tampa. But you're, it seems like you've gone from what was when I originally saw you, which was set up punch, to a more of a little bit of a longer form. Yeah, I mean, you get bored with the same formula because it becomes, your brain doesn't even, you don't even think about what you're saying anymore. It becomes yeah. rhythm. And fucking like, you know, it's, it's like it's like doing the same beat on your fucking leg all day. You're bored. There's no challenge in that. So you, you start talking a little more long form. The radio helps with that. Writing helps with that. And I enjoy it. I don't know if, if people don't like it. I'm sorry. But I mean, it's like, you know, it's like any other job, man. You got to fucking spice it up or you go crazy. What, what do you do when you do sets in the city? I work on material. Because this is where I'm lost, is I don't find any point in me doing sets in the city because I'm telling fucking 10-minute stories or, or, or 
12 minute 15 minute stories or i'm just fucking around on stage on the road i'm not really trying to craft any bits per se and i got kids and so i'm like well i I just feel like it's fucking gluttonous for me to just go and do what i'm already knowing is working well then don't do what you know is working that's what i do like my special comes out next week oh really Uh, yeah yeah that's why I'm, i'm out doing promotion it's called uh contextually inadequate it's on epics and it comes out Friday the 24th at 10 p.m. Oh, fantastic. So I had to drop an hour of material. So, like, I shot it a couple months ago. So I've been working since then. It's like, all well, that material's gone. So now I go in the cellar and I start working on shit, man. I start from scratch. And I, or I pull- you really scrap everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's all I, gone. I, I, I haven't dropped a special in a while. But even when I do go to a city that I've been to before, like, I don't try, I try not to repeat material sure. when I go back. But I will always do. St- I always feel like I have to give them at least thirty-five percent of a good show. Oh yeah, but, I'll, but I don't go on the road right away. Like for the first okay. couple of months, like I'm still doing jokes from the special. Like in, when I, my I, I got thirty new minutes now. Like I, Kenny was timing me, and he's giving me light at about thirty, which means I'm halfway done. I'm still on this one bit, and I haven't even gotten to the uh, old stuff yet. I've been closing with the old stuff. Like, I'm almost squeezing it out. Yeah. It's like you're fucking squeezing toothpaste, and eventually it'll all be out. So uh, <coughs> I love going into the cellar just fucking naked with nothing and just working on it. And I wish I could do that. That's I wish fun, I, man. I, I, I wish I could do that uh, in, in L.A. L.A. seems like a different town for that, though. No, you can. I, you just got to be willing to bomb. No, I don't mind bombing, but yeah. I feel like L.A. is like the improv's like... It's the fucking comedy juice show, and it's—I mean, I'm not shitting. I don't know who's on it, yeah. but it's—it seems like a lot of guys that are coming in to do their their tight ten and fucking thunder, so that everyone's like, "Hey, man, you're fucking the best." Yeah, let how em. come you're not famous yet? No, I don't care about those guys. You know, it's like fuck them. Do do what they want to do. Go up there and hammer it out, and fucking you know, and throw the mic down when you're done. You and your victory on a Tuesday yeah. get fucking killed. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> wow, you killed on a Tuesday with your weekend material. Yeah, drop fucking dead. <laughs> it means nothing to me. When I see guys doing murderous material on a Tuesday that I know is their weekend shit, it's like really dummy oh. for thirty dollars. You're doing this shit, dude. That is. The most prophetic statement I've heard. So silly. What do you think we're here for? Like, I'm not saying to you, but no. like, I, I respect the comedy cell a great deal, but they respect stand-up. And it's like, I, on the weekends I try to do better, but I'm still doing newer shit. Yeah. I make $30 on a Tuesday there. So of course I want people to laugh, and I do material that works, but I do a lot of material that doesn't. Yeah. And then the, the stuff that doesn't begins to work, and then I totally throw out the other shit that worked. So now the stuff that works is just the new shit. You know, but I mean, you're doing the, what, what is fucking the improv pay? Eight bucks? Yeah. And what am I hoping? There's a big casting agent in the audience? It's not 1980. Yeah. It doesn't happen like it's, that. It seems like, it's, it seems like that's, I mean, I went and did one. Like, I'll do stuff with Rogan when he's out at the Ice House. Sure. And, I, and it's all fucking, everyone's writing new. I mean, that, but that's that energy. Right. And I think the store is a place where you could right now. I just never got into the store and never yeah. it was like not. And, and now I'm like fucking already on the road so much. I don't, I'm not going to try to like break into a club, but I just feel like there are, there is the LA always had that energy of like, go up murder, fuck writing murder, fucking get yeah. it. You know, I, I mean, the laugh factor kind of has that energy. I can understand that. And, and yeah, you want to do well and you want to get laughs, especially on a Friday, or Saturday early show. But Again, on the weeknights, man, on a Monday or a fucking Tuesday, it's just, it's very unimportant to me. Yeah. I mean, I want to get laughs, but it's like, fucking, what am I doing here? It's almost like going, it's like going to the gym and, and not doing cardio because you can't immediately see it when you flex. It's like, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, for, for the money they're paying me, you want my headline sets? Good. Pay me X amount for the weekend. I'll be glad to give you an hour of that shit. How much you want to give me? Twenty dollars. Well, here you go. Yeah, and I fuck it. But I, but I don't say that disrespectfully. I love it. I fucking love that process. And it, eventually, but, the material becomes really good. No, but that's the energy of the comedy seller. Yeah, that's that, the, but that, they that, get that, it. That is that is a that is a uh, a, a bee's nest of creativity. Well, I mean, you know, just you, when you were with guys like Colin all the time, or used to be always Geraldo. These guys are banging out smart new shit, you know. And you go up there doing the same old stuff, you feel like a douche. Yeah, you just feel empty and dumb. Um, and stagnant. I remember Geraldo came up to me one time at the comedy cell and he goes, damn, man, I feel like I'm not doing any new material. I just feel stuck. Like I'm doing the same shit. My wife has been saying it. And I'm like, wow. And then, then like, you know, you know, the next time I saw me at all this stuff, like, you know, 
But it's like we all get to, into that creative, like, I suck dick thing. I'm not good. Yeah. But those guys that go up and kill on a Tuesday. And again, I'm not saying you never should kill on a Tuesday. But those guys that go up there and I'm, I see the same material out of them every night on the weeknights, you deserve to be exactly where you are if you're not doing well. Yeah. Keep killing on a Tuesday, shithead. Go so up what, there. So what's your process of writing these days? Yeah, you just try it on stage. No, but like, no, like, like. That's but, really it. No, but like, 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 what are you, like, are you digging into what is inside you or what you're noticing people doing or what is aggravating you? Because it. On on radio, and what I like about you is you always have a very poignant opinion about what is happening, like the fucking the free range parenting that's going on right now, or like or like Jameis Winston, like or or rape culture or rape jokes or you know you always seem to have a thing, but do you kind of micromanage that and go that's that's radio talk? I'm going to leave that for radio, or do you do you mind that somehow? No, nah, not really. I mean, you try to make it into something that works. On stage, I mean, uh, I, but I really don't. I'm not even good at writing things down anymore. I'll just, I literally just go up and just bounce ideas around. Most times they go nowhere. Yeah. But there's really no process other than just doing that. I wish I was more vigilant writing or I'll talk an idea in. Hey, talk about like this. I'm telling a story now on stage. It's a true story. Me and my friend getting busted stealing Star Wars figures at Corvettes. So that's a bit that I do. Uh, your stories of you and your friends when you're kids are the fucking best. What was the one with the – didn't you have one where you threw a bowling ball through a – Fucking window or something. What was the, what's the hardest oh. you ever laughed? It, I, I want to say there's probably two, but there's one you said the hardest you ever laughed was in the back of the car. I, 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 I'm I'm piecing together. Yeah, tell me. What, I don't know which one you mean. But, and then there's one I thought we were there. <laughs> when I was a kid and we threw me and me and, me and uh, Angelo and Raphael through a giant we pushed a snow we oh we threw a, a grate there was a grate that like a half moon grate um we took it and threw it through a kitchen window i think <laughs> we were hard we were vandals that weren't even fun it was just like break shit um i remember i know i did that when i was older i was drunk in new brunswick <laughs> we were driving around and, and uh i pissed into a cup and I remember I, we, we would drive through New Brunswick and throw it at like all these fucking tough guys wearing these black dudes wearing their sheepskin coats. Yeah. Because that was the scariest thing. I would throw cups of piss on people. And I remember one time I took a cup of piss and I put the lid on. It was a Coke, like a Coke, not a can, but a cup. Yeah. And I threw it and there was this couple walking. And the guy saw it coming and he put his arm up to stop it <laughs> and it hit his arm and I fucking sprayed him and his girlfriend with piss. It's one of my greatest moments. I'm ashamed of it now. Yeah. But, uh,. Yeah, we used to love. We rode around one night and had fucking. We had it looked like a seltzer dispenser, like the other thing the Stooges would blast each other yeah, with. Yeah, but this was probably three feet tall. It was a high-powered water thing, and it was probably eleven degrees out. And we were trying to squirt cold water on people out in the freezing cold. Yeah, but we literally couldn't find anybody outdoors. It was so cold. But I remember looking back on that, going, "How psychotic to want to spray." Cold water on people out in that weather. Somebody would have died. No, is that is, is someone very easily could have died? Was that? Or, or do you think that you were the the impetus impetus of that, or is or was, was it the guys you were hanging out with? All of us. It was all oh, these other guys when I was thirteen. We used to hang out. They would uh, we would ride around and do vandalism. We would fucking like pop people's tires, and we would take we would take oil. They would they would pick me up, and they would have these margarine dishes full of oil. And we would ride around parking lots and look for open car windows and just and just like throw motor oil all over people's dashboards and the, like on their fucking there was not even any joy in it. It was just yeah. utter ugliness. I remember one time we were riding through a parking lot and we saw this fucking half melted thing of chocolate ice cream. So we found this this like open car window and it had like this fur lined seat which was made for chocolate ice cream. Uh, yeah. And we and we threw it all over the fucking somebody's fur seat lining. So we're driving by a few minutes later, and we see like this really old couple outside, and the, 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 they were probably in their seventies. And the old woman is just cleaning her husband's back, and I knew the old man had sat in it and gotten chocolate all over him. I was so fucking happy. It's interesting. I go back to being fourteen years old when when that when that was your weekend, and that was it, man. And you and I don't even know if kids do it. I would be so irate if someone did that to me now. 
Like, I God. don't understand that energy in children. What the fuck is wrong with them? But I remember Sal Carnante pissing in a fucking Alfa Romeo. There was a He goes, who leaves her fucking top down? And just started pissing in it. And I started laughing hysterically. And he's like, take a shit on the hood. Take a shit on the hood. And, uh, and uh, it, I mean, it was that energy was like. I guess it was what crea- creativity before you knew what creativity was. Yeah, it was also just getting something out. You didn't know what it was. And, and you didn't think about the consequences. Like, I've told the story about Mike and Stanley, who were the guys I hung out with. Stanley was an older guy, bodybuilder, and his younger brother, Mike. And we were riding one time down the street. And um, do you know, I don't know if I told you the story, but we were riding down the street. We saw a guy hitchhiking. And it was like 90 degrees. It was boiling hot. He had no shirt on. And I'll never forget, Mike went... Um, Hey, Stanley, let's turn around and go back and throw some oil on him. And he meant it. Like, what he wanted to do yeah. is he wanted to drain engine oil. And he wanted to get hot oil out of the engine and throw it onto this guy's bare chest as he was hitchhiking. It was is- criminal. Mike and I were 13, though. But I'll 13. never forget that. Hey, Stanley, let's throw some oil on him. That's one of my favorite memories as a child. <laughs> Where we had Chinese mustard, and there was a female hitchhiking. Another, oh, no, she was just walking. And I'll never forget Mike went, hey, whore, have some mustard. And he threw Chinese mustard, and she waved because she didn't know what was happening. And she got Chinese mustard on her. It was, wasn't even any humor in it. It was just ugly behavior towards people, and it felt great. <laughs> that is a fascinating... I don't know why we would do it. There was nothing. There was nothing. There was no punchline to it. It was just being a scumbag. Yeah. It was fun. It was, uh, we used to do scavenger hunts every year. And a scavenger hunt, you basically just destroy property. Yeah. I remember getting a gun waved at us. We t- took a guy's birdbath, and he fucking came out in a CRX. And we were in a, me, Fritz Casper, Blake Casper, Duncan McKay. Were, and th- all of them were related. They were all aunt cousins. And I was Blake's best friend. And a guy came out in a CRX with a gun, pulled up right off of, uh, like, right next to, I think, uh, not Kennedy, but, like, uh, West Shore. And fucking started waving the gun in our faces and he's like i'll fucking kill you and fritz casper was crazy he's like fucking pull the trigger asshole pull the fucking trigger and it, i mean it was like the most epic evening of my life like oh it was it was what was even the most insane part of it and i and i i still it's the it's the um it's the fragility of of the chase was we get up I'm, I'm saying all the streets wrong, by the way, but we get up right where, where, Univers- where Academy of the Holy Names is. And we get up, not that you know, the people that grew up in Tampa. And there's a stoplight. And there's no one on the fucking road. It's like fucking two in the morning. And there's a stoplight. And we pull up to the stoplight. And the guy with the gun pulls up behind us, right? And he opens his door. And Fritz is like, and I'm going, and Fritz is watching him. And I go, when he gets out of his car, punch it. And then, so... The guy gets out of his car and Fritz punches it. The guy gets back in his car and we pull up now to Bayshore. Have you ever been to Tampa on Bayshore? Bayshore is the longest continuous sidewalk in the world. So it's one, it's on the water and it's one long street. And we're now taking a left onto Bayshore and and the guy's doing the same thing with the car. He's getting out of his car and Fritz kind of punching it. And so it's like this real like fucking cat and mouse game of like, we're either going to get the shit kicked out of us or we're getting away. And he opens the door and you had to wait for him long enough to get up to the car so you could punch it. And as soon as Fritz wants to punch it, his fucking car stalled. Oh, yeah. And then fucking... And turns it on and gets on and the guy jumps on the side of the car and is reaching in the car in the, side, in the passenger door. Me and Duncan are in the back like fucking punching him. And then the guy fell off and, 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 and we just kept going and when we hit out in a fucking parking lot. And I was like... I looked back and I was like, I was so irresponsible. I was just destroying someone's property and then getting the guy so angry that he might have committed a crime and murdered us. Over a bird bath? Over a bird bath. But man, I'll never forget that night. If we were on the news, I would have wrapped that segment up. Well, the bird bath, he turned into a real bird brain. Coming up. <laughs> you know, a clever little tie-in layer. Was there a moment when the split up happened that you were like, what am I? What, what's my next move? Like, what, like, what am yeah, I? Like, well, when, out of radio. When, when Ant got fired, uh, my first thought was that we were getting fired. You know, sure. And did you? Did you? Did you panic? Were you scared? Oh my God! Yeah, of course. I, I said well, you weren't into save Anthony mode. You were into oh no, we're all getting fired mode. What do I do now? Yeah. Um, you know, and I've been fired. It was traumatic getting fired years ago. The first time was. Oh yeah, in two thousand two. Because you were you were how old? Well, it's two thousand. That's twelve years ago. Thirty. So I was uh, no thirty four. I'm forty six now. You're 34. Did you think you'd be doing stand-up at 46? Yeah, it's all I ever wanted to do. I mean, once I started, I thought... But who was doing it at 46 when you started? Nobody. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. Not that I mean I knew. Nobody was doing it at 46 when I started. When I started, no one was doing it. Like, here, that's the weird thing, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I heard someone say, whoa, I don't want to be doing the road. Probably on opening or, or you guys. Um, I don't want to be doing the road at 60. I don't want to be doing clubs right. at 60. And then... Voss said that five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I'm thinking of. And, uh, and then I was like, well, Voss is doing the clubs at 60. And, and, and then... But when I started, Rich Voss might have been the oldest person doing stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. No. In New York. So did you think you... When you started, did you think you'd be doing this at 46? No. I mean, I figured I'd want to blow my brains out sooner or later. I never thought I'd live this long. And I, and I certainly didn't think I'd still be doing stand-up. Like, I didn't know what I'd be doing, but I didn't think I'd not be doing stand-up for a bad reason. I just never believed I could actually do this this long and make, and be good at it or successful at it. Um, Did you think this was the path? It's all I ever wanted, so No, yeah. no, meaning like, meaning like, like when you started, were you like, okay, uh, uh, fucking get cleared past all the clubs, hang out at the cellar, fucking maybe do some TV, or did you just think, I just want to work clubs in New York? I never realized. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't think any of it would come true. So the fact that any of it, I never saw like I, th- I never thought I'd be accepted in New York clubs. I never thought I'd get real work. And as far as TV, there was a time where I could do all this TV, and now it's harder for me to get on TV. I couldn't get on Fallon this time, or or uh, uh, did we? We didn't really try Kimmel just because it was too late by then. Uh, he was already booked. But uh, you know, we had a fucking bad experience trying to get on Fallon, and I liked Jimmy a lot. It wasn't him. It was just. You know, that's a big show, and they had all this, like, the, yeah, maybe we can. We'll see what we can do. And they kind of, and I don't think they do it on purpose. They're not trying to be dicks. They're just trying to book their show. Yeah. But they, they kind of didn't say absolutely not soon enough, and they lead you to believe that you might be able to do it. And then when you can't do it, it's too late to do something else. Yeah. TV-wise. So, you know what I mean? It's like you never know when you say you'd be on TV. Like, I never thought I'd be on TV as much as I have been. And then all of a sudden go like, fuck, I can't even get on with a two-month lead notice. I must be in shit. Do you feel like that? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I'm not saying that, to, you know, I mean, I said to my manager all the time, he, he already knows not to go, no, you're not. Like, you know, I, I just vocalize it. Utter, utterly irrelevant, yeah. But that's the, the, the proof is, you know, when you can't get a spot, uh, you know, on, a, on, a, on any of the shows. I'm not saying it's it's no. it's wrong or, or it's right. It's, it's Fallon's, Fallon's shows, Fallon's shows definitely blossomed into a fucking sure. into a celebrity factory Big i show. mean i think i think that's like the biggest stars in the world are begging to get on i think you're right um uh i would my i can't i can't imagine i see more on conan like like because i don't know if conan would have me of course i would do it because i lined up with leno you know but i never said fuck conan i just like jay um, I think Kim would have me back. I've done a show once in 2007. I think Jimmy would have me on. I mean, it was just a matter of they were already booked. Seth Meyers maybe would, or I don't know if Colbert would. But my publicist is really nice. She, but she's like, well, do you want to see if maybe we should try to do some test shows for Colbert to get in early? And that's just how publicists think. Yeah. Now, if Colbert said, would you do a test show? I'd go, sure, because I like him. I think he's funny. Yeah. But would I do that just to get in? No, because I can't be that sneaky about it. I just can't be. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, that's just too fucking Tuesday night killing conniving. Um, if they wanted me to, I'd be happy to because I like him. But if they won't have me on because I'm a good comic, then what? I don't belong there anyway. No, but that's the jacket I think, and I, I and like I've I've kind of been. Uh, I think I think I will always consider myself a New York comic first because that's where I started. But those are the guys I looked up to, so th- that's the path I liked. I never looked. I never looked at New York comics as guys who, um, who like uh, routed themselves. You know, like going like uh, like not. They're not boastful. They're not. Uh, they're not uh, shameful promoters. Right. They're guys that like what they do and can be who they are, and that's it. And that's. I think that's why I fell into hosting so quick easily. Is that I was like, I don't know if I can be the wacky next door neighbor. Right. I can definitely be Bert. And I can I can be a dial back version of Burp. I can't be I can't be something other than that. Right. And I don't know if that is uh, you know you know a f- like a fault of of my grooming or who I looked up to. I say grooming. I don't I don't think I was a, I don't I think I'm a road comic really. But when I started, the guys I looked up to are all the guys that all your all it's the fucking seller. Just sit. I said at the bar. We're over by Geraldo because Geraldo always sat over by the bar. Atel would sit by the bar. That's what the liquor is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and then I'd fucking slide over and just kind of eavesdrop. 
and just fucking listen to the fucking the fucking destruction. I found a nice picture of me in the Telta bar back when I was wearing my sweaters. I had these awful sweaters. Well, actually, this is a pretty cool sweater, but this is many, many years ago. If I find it, I'll show it to you. It's a really non-story. I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> Gives a fuck. Do you want to get married? Huh? Do you want to get married? Um, you know, eventually. I mean, not to you. If you're, if you're <laughs> 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 um, I might, you know. I, I might. Sure. You've dated serious chicks. I have. But, I, I, you know, I'm trying to cut out all the sexual shit just to see what's left. Do you find it? Do you find it, uh, have you heard of this sex toy called the Pulse? No. It's a new male sex toy. It'd be nice if I fucked one girl that had one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim, zipping them in there. What do you do when you hang out with your parents? Do you not tell your joke? Do you not? Not like that. No, no, no but no, but do you, do you find yourself biting your tongue a lot? Well, you know, we don't have that kind of banter anyway, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just more just chit chat. I'm a little more polite. Yeah. I'm good around other people's families too. Yeah. I'd imagine. I remember. So sweet. I, th- I want to say a long time ago, you guys played clips from your mom oh, yeah. leaving voicemails about yeah, voice your lifestyle. It's on my CD. Is that what it is about your lifestyle? Yeah, about getting ladies of the evening, and yeah. prostitutes and stuff. Oh, it's, it was fucking. It's it's one of those things that was like the early. I don't know. It was like pulling back the fucking veil and finding out my fucking. Now, now I'm self conscious of my analogies Why? and my wordings. I don't think it's a veil. I think it's a curtain. But like, <laughs> it's all right. It's not rounded. It's touted. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Oh. I love it. The die is cast. Yes. The die is cast. Yes. So, uh, so you think you'd? Would you have kids? Maybe. I mean, you know, I'm not against any of it anymore. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, again, I'm 46. I'm not exactly a catch. So, if anybody wanted to put up with my fucking malarkey for the rest of, it, maybe. You know, I mean, that's where I'm at. It used to be no, but now it's like, yeah, why not? Really? I was sure if I met the right person. Nice. I'm kind of bored being single. Is it? Yeah, but now, but now the Florentine's single. I know. I was just thinking that. But Jim also liked being married, so. Yeah, that's what he's. Bob Kelly likes being married, so. Opie likes being married. Uh, so it's, this is hope. Yeah? I got to piss. Go ahead. Do, do you want to wrap it up? What, how much longer are we talking? Oh, uh, we talked about an hour. That's good. Okay, yeah, because I'm going to piss my pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the name of the special is? Contextually Inadequate, Friday the 24th, Epics and EpicsHD.com, and it's on uh, 10 p.m. And uh, Opie and Jim, Opie, the Opie Radio is Opie, on. Opie show in the morning, and uh, yeah, Opie and Jim, whatever you're going to call it. We're on Monday through Thursday. We're there. Can they fix the fucking numbers from 206 to 103? It's the most there, annoying goddamn There is a reason phrase. they can't do it. It was a, it was a, it was a technical reason. If you have, because we're XM-based and not series-based, there, there was a technical reason they couldn't do it, and they yeah. explained it to me. I don't remember. They, they weren't being dicks by not doing it. There was an actual physical reason. Okay. Well, yeah, the, the app is fantastic, and it's the one thing I'd say. Oh, I've I never doubt, I doubt, say that. What? Everyone always complains about the app. Is oh, it good? I fucking love the app. Yeah, good. Oh, yeah, but I got it through Ro- Roland, so I fucking love it. I okay. just, oh, I type in... You can search. It's fantastic. And I will say, I hope, and I, I paid for a year of Anthony up front right when he went over. But I, I would hope, I hope Anthony starts fucking not doing the paid service. Because it's so difficult to get. It's, it's the only thing. It's like, I find that if my thumb is a three-point shot, my thumb's a basketball player. And it, it has a certain yep. play, scoring radius. And if it's not within my thumb, or if it's too many steps from my thumb, I just, it stays out of my fucking. Absolutely. You wanted to buy movie tickets, and they make you join their club. Yeah, I'm not joining. <laughs> it's like you know. No, yeah, I, I did it out of support. I bought the fucking year, yeah. like, and I, but I was like, and I watched the first like couple weeks. Then I was like, I'm on in the fucking go. I'm on the car. I just it's hard my- to do it. In the, yeah, yeah, at home. All right, uh, at Jim Norton, eatabullet.com. Just jimnorton.com. What happened to eat a bullet? I had it, but then someone gave me Jim Norton, so I, I, I finally bought Jim Norton because the scumbag cyber squatter, who I hope was killed in a fucking drunk driving accident, uh, didn't re up it. Fucking cyber squatter cunts. Uh, I appreciate you doing this, man. I hope. The- Thanks for having me. I really appreciate. It. I enjoy. I enjoy talking to you a lot. No, I have a good time talking to you, and uh, I'll be in New York. I'll hit you up when I'm in New York. Cool. Maybe I'll come down to the cellar. You hang out the cellar still a lot. I do. I'll come down to the cellar and hang out. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, what, what was I going to say? Thank you. Oh no, 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 I wasn't going to say anything. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. <laughs> This episode was brought to you by The Machine.